Good morning, Christ Fellowship. As you can tell, in case you're visiting for the first time or in case you haven't been here for a little bit, it's a different service. Today you came for our baptism service, which is really, really special. It's one of the highlights that we have during the month, or during the year for Christ Fellowship. But I want to let you know, what is the theme of the year for 2020 for Christ Fellowship? Miracles, believing God for the impossible. So today, we're going to dive in right into the scriptures. So if you have your Bible, you can open it up. If not, it's going to be behind you. And for all of you that are watching through live stream, we welcome you. We thank you for tuning in. And make sure you comment or ask any questions on the thread as well. So Acts chapter 16, we're going to um, go there, starting at verse 22. And how we're talking about miracles, we're going to highlight a major miracle that happened in the Bible, okay? So here, just to give you a little bit of background, Paul and Silas, uh, they get in trouble for doing God's work. They got in trouble. And we're going to pick it up right afterwards in verse 22. It says, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and they were thrown into prison. And I just want to remind everyone as followers of God, you're not immune to the evil of this world. You know, so many times you think just because you give your heart to Jesus, everything's going to go smoothly. No, that's not the case. And if anyone has told you that, they've lied to you. Uh, simply because when, you, when you're on the journey following God, certain paths in that journey are difficult. And, but at the same time, we know that we are giving God thanks that he's leading the way. So here, continuing, it says, the jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. He didn't want Paul and Silas to escape. So the jailer um, put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. We're going to pause there real quick. I'm going to put a picture behind me just to show you what the wooden stock would look like. It should be there any second. Wooden stock, a wooden thing. Yeah, there we go. So right there you see a picture of a wooden stock, and you could see how your feet um, could be clamped. So we're going to take a pause here for a second. How would you react? What would you do? Like, what would your attitude be? How would you be feeling mentally, emotionally, and spiritually if you know that you got beat up with rods, you got thrown in the inner dungeon. That just sounds scary. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the dungeon is bad enough. The inner dungeon sounds worse. So you got thrown into the inner dungeon. They clamped you down so that you won't be able to barely move or escape. What would you do in that moment? Like, I want you to think, really, you knowing yourself, Knowing your walk with God, how would you respond to those circumstances? So here, what's interesting, as we continue the story in the scriptures, in verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. So there, we'll take another pause. They got beat up. 
They got pretty much tortured, you could say, thrown in the inner dungeon, clamped down with nowhere they could go. They could easily mope. They could easily complain. They could easily criticize. They could easily feel as though a miracle was not in the picture. But we know that faith paves the way for miracles. So here they're praying and singing hymns to God. The last time you had a rough day, did you spend it praying and uh, singing hymns to God? The last time you felt as though your world was falling apart, were you praying and singing hymns to God? Because all of a sudden here, there's a lesson for us to learn. In the midst of the circumstances, in the midst of what's happening around them, in the midst of what's pretty much being said to them and they're experiencing, they know that's not the real reality. Because they know that God is the God of miracles and he could do things that are impossible. So all of a sudden in verse 26, it says, Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors, highlighting all the doors, think about this, all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Every prisoner, not just Paul and Silas. And just keep in mind, when God does a miracle in your life, it's not just for your benefit. It's to the overflow to impact everyone around you. Never forget that. It's not just for you to be blessed. God wants to bless those that are around you as well. And then it says, the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. Because as the jailer, he was responsible for all the prisoners, and if they would escape, he would know that he would be killed, so he was ready to kill himself at that moment. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We are all here! Verse 29, the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He fell down trembling, desperate in his heart and soul to find out what Paul and Silas had that he didn't have. Knowing that there was so much more to this world, so much more that he was missing out on, and that he knew that he wasn't a part of it. And all of a sudden, they brought them out, and the jailer asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And I want you to even right now, this moment where you're sitting, to even whisper to yourself, what must I do to be saved. Are you whispering? I'm listening. I don't hear that too much. Oh, yeah, te quiero oír. So, verse 31, Paul and Silas replied, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with your, everyone in your household. And, and I just want to highlight two things here. The word believe there. It's not believe the way we see believe. Believe to us is just accept as true. Oh, I believe it. You know, I believe. I accept that as true. 
No, no, no. Believe there is giving your entire life to God. Surrendering everything. Realizing that God has to be the cornerstone of your life and you completely surrender everything to God, not holding back anything and diving in fully of who God is in your life. Not worried about the person next to you, not worried about your past. Now think, think about this too, when he asked, what must I do to be saved? You know, Paul and Silas said, well, what was your background like? You know, how did you grow? He didn't say, you know, how did you grow up? You know, what's your past like? Because some of, some of us feel like our past is so messed up. Our past is so dirty. Our past has so many decisions and circumstances that God wouldn't want us to dive in and be, have a relationship with us. But you see, Paul and Silas didn't ask anything like that. He just said, believe. But you need to realize believe is more than accept that it's true. You might believe that Jesus is real, but at the same time, you haven't given him your heart, your soul, your mind. You haven't surrendered everything to him. And how come you haven't done that yet? So here, what's interesting, he says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they share the word of the Lord with him and with all those who lived in the household. And now check this out in verse 33. It says, even at, the hour, at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in their household were immediately baptized. Immediately baptized. Now think about it. When was Paul and Silas singing um, hymns to God and praying to God? It was at midnight. So afterwards, they went to the jailer's house. He took care of their wounds while they were there. And then in the midst of all that, they were immediately baptized. Not the jailer by himself, but his entire family as well. So around what time did this baptism happen? It probably happened around 1.30 in the morning. Around 2 in the morning, they were immediately baptized at that moment. And then in verse 34, it says, He brought them into his house afterwards and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because all believed in God. Right there, it said, His entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. So now I have a question for all of us. What was the greatest miracle that happened there in that passage? You don't have to respond. I just want you to think. What was the greatest miracle that happened? Of course, there we witnessed there was an earthquake that happened. We saw the gates of the prison doors being flung open wherever they went. And the chains of the prisoners automatically fall off. That, that's a huge miracle in itself. But you know what's the greatest miracle? It's salvation. It's the moment the jailer turned around and said, what must I do to be saved? Some of us, you go to church because of your parents' faith. No, 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 no. It has to be personal. 
The jailer is like, what do I have to do to be saved? And of course, he was told, you have to believe. You have to give your life to God. It's not sufficient to know about him. Just to know about him. It's not sufficient just to be a good person. Because in reality, there's no, no one is good enough. God is perfect. Your best acts and decisions and actions fall short of where we need to be with God. So no one is good enough. You can't just do good works and expect, expect to be welcome in God's presence. You need to surrender your heart to God. And what's amazing, though, is that we know that Jesus did all the work on the cross. Jesus took the place that we deserved by dying on the cross, taking the punishment that we deserve for our sins to make a way so that we could have a relationship with God. And that is why, why Paul and Silas just looked at the jailer and said, you need to believe in Jesus. You don't have to do anything else when it comes to like a checklist of to do. You need to believe, but believe is giving your whole heart, mind, and soul there. So I want to highlight a couple things Paul said in the book of Romans just for us to realize a little bit more of how we need to be saved. Because you might be sitting here and you might be saying to yourself, it's like, I need to be saved? Saved from what? I'm comfortable. I'm sitting in this chair. And it's like, my life is pretty good right now, this moment. But here, we're, high, we're highlighting the fact that we need to be saved. So in Romans 3.23, is going to be behind you. It says, for all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. So all of us have sinned, even, obviously we've sinned, we sin daily many times, but even if we would have sinned once in our lifetime, we would have been disqualified from entering God's presence. So here it says, for all have sinned, all of us, including myself, every single person that's ever lived except Jesus have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then we continue in Romans 6, 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So right there it tells you, because of our sins, the penalty is death. We all deserve death, but then it tells you, but the gift of God, because Jesus died on the cross, and he paid the penalty for our sins. It's a gift for us that we can have a relationship with God just by believing and surrendering to Jesus. Have you accepted that gift? Have you surrendered your heart to God? In Romans 10, 9, it says this, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now here I want to highlight too, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you need to realize when you declare with your mouth, mouth right there at the moment, you're making a proclamation of where your entire life is going. It's not just about saying a little prayer and not meaning it. It's not just about just, just saying it and not following through. No, no, no. If you make a declaration, 
you follow through with that declaration with your entire life. So if you declare that Jesus is the Lord of your life, you're surrendering everything to him. Now, interesting, it doesn't say if you declare your, with your mouth that Jesus is your savior. Because you know what? All of us, we want a savior. We just want someone to rescue us and for us to do whatever we want with the rest of our lives. But if you declare that Jesus is your Lord, that means he runs your life. That means he's sitting at the throne of your heart. It's no longer what you want to do, what you want to say, what you want, how you want to live. It's Jesus is the Lord of your life. And that is truly what it means to believe you're giving God everything. And I wonder if all of us, we've done that before. So you're probably wondering, what am I saved from? Obviously, there's a lot of things that you could be saved from. But I'm going to highlight quickly eight of them so you could see. And it's going to be behind you too. It says this. The first one is, Jesus saves us from the punishment that we deserve, which is death. And I mentioned that before. Jesus saves us from the punishment we deserve, which is death. Number two is this. Jesus saves us from going to hell and being separated from God for all eternity. You know what I mean? Like, to me, hell is the fact that I'm going to be separated from God. Forget about it being a real place. It's just being separated to God. That in itself is hell. But of course, we know that hell is a real place, too. And, and the third point is this. Jesus saves us from the power of sin. Right now, this moment, some of us, like we just feel as though that sin is controlling your life. You need to realize when you surrender and give Jesus everything, that he saves you from the power of sin over your life. Number four is Jesus saves us from living a life without purpose and meaning. You might be feeling as though you're drifting to life, through life, going on cruise control, trying to figure out what life is about. You've tried so many things, chasing after the things the world has to offer, trying to make something out of yourself, when all along the main thing you need to do is surrender to God, because think about it, God is the one that knit you together in your mother's womb. He's the one that knows you better than anyone else. He's the one that gave you your gifts and talents. He's the one that understands the big picture of your life. You only see snapshots of your life like Polaroids, and you, you're trying to figure things out. And honestly, trying to figure things out just with snapshots of Polaroids could be very frustrating. That's as if I give you a puzzle, but I just give you two pieces out of a 5,000-piece puzzle. I say, try to figure it out. You look at me like, you're like, Carlos, tu tal loquito. You know what I mean? It's like, how am I going to figure out the puzzle, a 5,000-piece puzzle with two little puzzles? And some of us at this moment, right now in this room, you're looking at your life, looking at two or three or four little pieces of your puzzle, and you're like, how does this connect? How does this work? I don't get it. But when Jesus is your Lord and you surrender your life to him, you trust him that he's ordering your steps as you walk through your life. Number five, Jesus saves us from our addictions and fears. Some of us here, we're addicted 
to things that you know are destroying your life or fears that are crippling you, and Jesus saves us from that. Number six, Jesus saves us from our hopelessness and depression. Some of us here feel as though we can't even take another step forward. It's hard for us to make it even through today. We feel completely hopeless. We feel depressed. The sadness overwhelms us. But when Jesus is in your life, in the midst of your circumstances, you have joy deep within so Jesus saves us from our hopelessness and depression. And let me tell you something. There's always hope when you're able to call out to Jesus. Always hope. It doesn't matter what your doctor told you. It doesn't matter the circumstances you're in. It doesn't matter what your friend's been telling you. It doesn't matter what everyone else says. As long as you're able to call out on the name of Jesus, there's always hope, always hope. Some of us here feel as though that we want to even take our own lives. Some of us here, we've attempted to take our own lives. But you need to realize just calling out to the name of Jesus, all of a sudden you'll see the jail cell that you're in being flung open. And the chains that Satan has been keeping you under fall off immediately. And the only one that could do that is God. You might not experience a regular physical earthquake, but I guarantee you call out to Jesus, there'll be earthquake in your soul and spirit. There'll be an earthquake in your heart and mind. And all of a sudden, the things that have been holding you back throughout your life will start falling off. But remember, you need to believe. And it's just not accepting that God is true. It's giving him your everything. Number seven, Jesus gave us, uh, saves us from the torment of the enemy and gives us the peace of God. Some of us here live under torment. It's hard for us to sleep at night. It's hard for us to even live because worry completely cripples us. And we really feel like we're tormented. But you know what? You're just handling things with your own heart and mind and strength when God wants you to surrender everything to him and believe in him. And the eighth um, um, point I want to highlight is Jesus saves us from spiritual death by giving us new life. I don't know if you want new life. But new life is what God has for us. Even today during the baptism, afterwards, they're going to be wearing a t-shirt. It says, out with the old and in with the new. Out with the old. It's like, leave the old in the past. And what's amazing is that no matter what you're going through in your life, the past is the past. And God gives you a clean slate to walk in the newness of life that he gives you. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, highlighting the part, in Christ, not knows about Christ, is it shows up to church once in a while. If you live in Christ, it says he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things 
have become new. Some of us here are longing, longing for newness. We're longing for a fresh start to live our life. And that happens only through God. Now remember, he said, what must I do to be saved? Are you saved? And not only did the jailer choose to believe, after the jailer gave his life to God, the first thing he did was to be baptized. Then I'm just going to highlight there too, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. And the scripture says, then he and, his, and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. Now you might be wondering, it's like, how come they were immediately baptized? In our life, the way we live here in the United States, we separate the fact of believing in Jesus and getting baptized as two separate events in our lives. We separate it. Maybe at a convenience. Maybe because we feel as though it's like, you know, like, I don't want to take that step yet. And you could think of so many different reasons why you don't want to. But it was very different in biblical days. In biblical days, immediately, unless it was impossible because there wasn't a body of water close by, immediately, once you believe and you give your heart to God, you choose to be baptized. And I'm going to tell you why. Three truths about baptism. You could write them in the back of your bulletin if you want to. Is the first one is this. It is a command by Jesus. It's not a suggestion. It's like, oh, Jesus didn't say, you could believe in me, and if you want, you could get baptized. If you want, choose to get baptized. Whenever you feel ready, you know, I know you say you believe in me, but you don't feel like you're ready to get baptized. You know, Jesus doesn't say, it's like, it's like oh, it's okay. No, 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 it's not like that. It's if you're willing to believe in Jesus and surrender your whole life, baptism goes hand in hand with it. Hand in hand. In Matthew 28, verse 19 through 20, it says this. Jesus, in his final instructions to his disciples, you could say there, it says, he says, therefore go and make disciples. So that's the command. We have to make disciples. We have to live as disciples. Not disciples of a church. Not a disciple following a person. It's a disciple of Jesus. Make disciples. Of all nations. But now this is how Jesus describes what it is that you have to do to make them disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So right there you see that baptism is a command. Are we listening to the voice of God? The second truth about baptism is this. Baptism proclaims union with Jesus in his death and resurrection. Now think about this. It's like we are choosing to believe what Jesus did on the cross, that he died and he rose again. And when you get baptized, you pretty much declare union with that. 
saying that you believe and you, you, you're pretty much connected to what Jesus did. And because of that, you're choosing to surrender everything. In Romans 6, verse 3 to 4, it says this, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So here, all of a sudden, it might appear just to be regular water in a baptismal. But symbolically, what's happening when a person chooses to go underneath the water, they're choosing to be with Jesus in death, and also how Jesus rose from the dead, and they come out of the water, they'll be raised to new life. Today, what's happening, it's a spiritual moment. I know for all of us here that we've been baptized before, we know we, we can't forget that moment we chose to be baptized. It marks your life forever. And the third point I want to bring up is this. Baptism is an outward symbol of our inner, inward faith. Baptism is an outward symbol of our inward faith. The same way if someone will look at me and they see a ring on my finger, they know I've made a covenant with my wife. They see the ring. This is a symbol for people to see. I don't even have to say anything. They just glance down. They see the ring and they know I made a covenant with someone. And in the same way, baptism is that symbol as well. It's like, look, what's happening in here, it's a symbol for the whole world to see. It's a symbol for heaven to see. It's a symbol for all my spiritual enemies to see. Just that my life belongs to God and to no one else. My life belongs to him. And that is why through scripture, it's immediately, it immediately happens when someone chooses to believe. In so many cases, I'm just going to highlight a couple real quick. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, 3,000 people believed the message that Peter said, gave their lives to Jesus, and were baptized that same day. 3,000 that same day. In Acts 8, verse 26 to 38, the Ethiopian eunuch with Philip got baptized immediately. If you remember, I taught on that probably a year ago, two years ago. It was pretty much the, the eunuch was said, what could stop me now from getting baptized? I know in who I believe, and I know I want to surrender everything. What could stop me? And right now, this moment, some of us, we probably could think of things that could stop me or stop you. You might think, well, like, well I'm nervous. Let me tell you, never let your nervousness get in the way of obeying God. Oh, I'm afraid. Never let your fears override what God wants to do in your life. No, I'm not ready. Let me tell you, if you are willing to say you're not ready for baptism, I would encourage you to really reflect on your heart about your personal walk with God. Because remember, baptism is a declaration of what's happening in your heart. So if you're not willing to be baptized, then you need to really look at your heart if you truly believe in God. And not, I'm not, when I talk about believe, it's not just accepting that he's real. It's giving your entire life to God. 
give and surrender. So I'd encourage you to really look at your heart. The Apostle Paul got baptized shortly after he experienced Jesus and the road of Damascus. In Acts 16, 15, there was a woman that was baptized the same exact day she believed. And here we heard the story of the jailer. The jailer and his family were immediately baptized that night, probably at two in the morning. Two in the morning, deciding, it's like, you know what? I'm not going to wait any longer. I'm not going to wait until the next time. I'm not going to wait until things might change in my life. No, no, no. I'm making this declaration today, giving my everything to God, because he deserves it all. And I imagine, like, Paul and Silas just hearing the family saying, baptize me now. It's two in the morning. And things might not be in order. Probably kids crying in the background. They couldn't sleep because of all the noise and everything like that. It could have been easy for them to say, hey, let's schedule this for another day. No, the, the desperation in the jailer's heart to be connected to the God that he witnessed through the miracle before them wanted God more than anything else. Now I wonder with us, are we a people of faith and obedience? Or do we really walk by our flesh and feelings? So many times we might say, it's like, you know what? I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like getting baptized. I don't feel like doing the things that God's called me to do. I don't feel like loving my spouse. I don't feel like being there for my kids. I don't feel like living a life of purpose that God's calling me to. I don't feel like giving up the sins that I have in my life. I'd rather be with the sins than be with God. I don't feel like chasing after God because I have too many questions. Let me tell you something. All of us, pastors, leaders, we're in this journey with you. We don't have it all figured out. We're chasing after God. When we get to heaven, we're going to see the a picture clearly. Don't wait until all you cross all your T's and dot all the I's in your life before you choose to give your life to God. If that's the case, you'll never do it. So are you living your life with by how you feel? Because if you're living your life by how if you feel, it's your flesh running your life. But when you choose to obey, you put obedience over everything. And let me tell you something. If you want to see miracles in your life, start to obey God. Because let me tell you, there's so many times in life, like I see it in other people and even in my own life, I don't ask for the miracle. I just obey God and God does the miracle before me and before others I know. God walks before you and he honors obedience. So even now, here, we have about eight people, seven to eight people that have already decided to be baptized today, to give their lives to God, to surrender everything to him. And you know what? It's like, it's like they don't want to wait a day more. They want to do that today. But I know in this room there's others. I know in this room there's others that God is knocking on your door. It's a new year. It's 2020. You don't want to be where you were last year spiritually compared to this year. 
You want to be able to be where God has called you to be. You want to be able to fulfill your destiny in 2020. You don't want to hold back, and you're tired of playing games when it comes to God. You have one foot in the world and one foot chasing after God. And you know what that means? You stand still in the same place. You're not moving in any direction because you're getting pulled from two different ways. But you need to realize, it's like, you know what? You need to put obedience over your feelings. You need to put God over your circumstances. You need to be, put God over the whispers of this world. And I know, I know it's not easy. God never said it was going to be easy to follow him. But I tell you something, it's definitely worth it. You talk to anybody here that truly believed in Jesus, surrendered their entire life to Jesus, and has been following Jesus faithfully for decades. They could look back and they'll tell you they don't regret a second in surrendering all to God. Not even a second. I gave my life to God when I was 18 years old. And that was the best decision I ever made in my life. And I just know that every day I chase after God as if I was, again, the first time I knew that he was real. So at this moment, I just wanted everyone to bow their heads. And if you know that you're here and you want to surrender your life to God and even be baptized today, and I just want to let you know, you're probably wondering, it's like, I didn't come ready to be baptized. I didn't bring extra clothes. I didn't bring a towel. I didn't bring anything to make this happen. I just want to let you know, we have a room filled with everything that you need. The only thing you need to bring is a willing heart. Just a willing heart. So if you're here today and you know, just like the jailer, you've been seeing the miracles, you know that God is real. And you don't want to wait until the next day. You don't want to wait till the next month. You don't want to wait till the next opportunity because even tomorrow is not promised to any of us. You just want to declare to the entire world that your life and your belief in God is genuine. And if that's you, I just want you to stand up where you're at first now. Wherever you are, just stand up. Don't worry about anyone that's near you. Don't worry about...